another look into the state of the league. This week I'm joined by 4020. Birdie fan, or Birdie. Hey, how's it going? And PM. Evening all. Uh, Ricky's having a couple of technical issues, but he'll be joining us when we get to the men's preview. So tonight we're going to kick straight into the women's games reviews, which will be uh, last Wednesday's matches and then Lay's matches, and then into the men's games reviews, and then we'll hit some Eels news and then preview the two uh, Rugby League World Cup Grand Final matches, which is Australia-New Zealand for the women and Australia-England for the men. Um, so to start us right off, we'll get straight into the women's review. So last Wednesday, uh, I previewed this match as a blowout with England uh, running rampant over the Cook Islands. How wrong was I? England 16, Cook Islands 22. Jump in, boys. Didn't see it, to be honest. Sorry, guys. Yeah. I, I didn't see it, but uh, I expected uh, actually, you know, three teams, England, Australia, and New Zealand, to be the clear, you know, dominant uh, teams, but yeah, they could have won. Cook Islands. Well, Cook Islands actually won 22-16. to 16. Um, I watched that whole match. The Cook Islands forwards in the first half ran rampant. They were up, um, I think it was about 16 to nil at half time until they sort of tied off in the second half. And then England mounted a, uh, a charge back. Uh, England eventually went up in about the 73rd minute, to which the Cook Islands responded by winning the game-sealing try right on the death. It was a fantastic match. Um, poor Brad Takarangi's sister, she uh, injured herself in the first half. Um, it looked to be some sort of medial, uh, medial ligament or something, some knee injury, and unfortunately couldn't finish the match, and looks like she'll be out for a period of time. Um, but not to undersell it, it was a fantastic match. The Cook Island girls, they really impressed me. I didn't see them putting in a performance like that. Um, but at the end of the day, they, they had enough to get over the line right on the death. Um, and I'll move right on to the next game, which is New Zealand 38, PNG nil. Um, I, I, also, I watched all these three matches. Um, New Zealand, again, fantastic, like they have been for, the, for their first two pool games. Um, and they ran rampant over the PNG girls again. Um, poor PNG, they were meant to sort of uh, be well in the running this um, World Cup, but they turned out to be the uh, the other runs, unfortunately. Um, did anybody else get their eyes on this match? Uh, no, it's not on Twitter, but the score, that was it really. Alright, well it looks like I'm doing the sole review for the women's matches. <laughs> um, and the last match of the Wednesday, the last pool match, was Australia 88, Canada 0. Now this score could have ended up uh, well above 100 points. Um, unfortunately, Australia's uh, goal-kicking uh, really let them down. They weren't even scoring half of their conversions. Um, but Australia have looked as good as they have all tournament. They were out picked to take out the World Cup, and they're in with a chance given they're going to be playing in the grand final this coming Sunday. Um, now, I'll move right on to Sunday's games, which was New Zealand 52, England 4. Um, did anybody else watch this match, or just myself? No, sorry. Missed it again. <laughs> yeah, I think I had NBA at that time. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, I'm a big well, I was doing Christmas um... decorations, so. <laughs> I'm a big I'll, fan. I'll be, of a fan. I'll be a fan come final time. <laughs> I'm a big fan of women's rugby league. Um, as I touched on earlier, we were staying at the same hotel as the Aussie girls. Um, I've got a cousin who plays uh, over in the, uh, the the Hunter region for the Curry Bulldogs in their women's all age division, and she's um, you know a fantastic player. 
Um, I think the girls' league, you know, it's coming along in leaps and bounds, um, and especially shown in this match, the dominance of New Zealand over England. England were pretty highly touted, but unfortunately they got uh, a number put on them by the the Cook Island girls, and then New Zealand really ran it up in this match. Um, New Zealand's outside, uh, sorry, second rowers um, are going to look dangerous against this Australian um, pack, um, but... I've still got a feeling that the Australian girls are going to get one up against New Zealand come Sunday. Didn't um, one of the girls, weren't they found guilty of uh, biting... Um, That's the next biting... match. Australia, okay. 58, Canada, 6. Uh, finally, um, the fourth allegation of biting in the World Cup and the Canadian girl um, finally got uh, pulled up on the charge of biting. Um... Daddy bit me. <laughs> are, they, so, are they not feeding... The, the players at the World Cup, both men and women, enough at the at the venues because there seem to be a lot of biting going on this World Cup compared to allegations we've heard from previous times. Well, that's right. There's four allegations. One of them's been proven. One, um, I think we touched on earlier, McGilvery is very lucky that he didn't um, get uh, finally um, found guilty of that. But um, in this match, the Aussie girls, way too good for the Canadians. Um, as we touched on earlier, the Canadian girls, a lot of them play rugby sevens. Um, so this has sort of been a learning curve for them in in terms of playing rugby league. Um, but they throughout the tournament that they they played up um, on their ability and 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 played up in a sense that they haven't played much rugby league in the past. So hopefully um, this acts as a springboard to have some more women's uh, rugby league played at an international level. Um, it's all about growing the game. Um, but participation rates for women in Australia and New Zealand are continuing to grow. And with the um, the grand final being played on this Saturday, we can only assume that more women are going to continue to take up the game moving forward. With with Canadian Rugby League, like one thing I, I found out um, a couple of weeks ago, that in Canada, they spend more money on women's soccer than they do for men's soccer. Like it's... Like all the girls want to grow up, you know, I've got my auntie visiting from Canada and she, her granddaughters, they all grew up playing soccer and not not many people play like rugby league even heard of it so it's very hard very very hard market you know for them to get into when it's like a soccer dominated uh, country especially when they put more money in the women's women's side of the game i sorry that's exactly right i think canadian um sporting landscape is very different to um you know a lot of the other world is because they live in such a northern um area in that you know it's winter the majority of the time so the majority of their sports are of course going to be um centered around the uh, sort of winter sports that you know they're massive yeah. hockey hockey nation over there oh, um, big hockey nation and um a lot of other winter sports but uh, and then of course they've got the um the canadian uh football league which is a sort of variation of the american um uh football um, which they, of course, played their Super Bowl uh, on um, last Sunday, um, which I don't know if anybody tuned into, but that was pretty interesting. <laughs> the competition that's been going for... Well, the men, that was the men play union, tenth. too, so... The men play well, union, so you think exactly somewhere down right. the track that it's going to happen, that league's going to oh, work its way in there, especially with the men, with the uh, Wolfpack over there now. Maybe the, that'll get the, the girls interested in maybe trying rugby league. So down the track, I could see a pretty bright future for rugby league in Canada yeah. myself. With, with everything, it's, they just need funding. You just put the money in it and they'll get the numbers. That's all you need, really. Yeah, exactly. Yep, exactly right. And at the moment, they're the popular sports, that's where the funding goes. I suppose that happens in every country. 
most popular sports get the funding. So at the moment, it's not very popular in Canada, but down the track, especially with this World Cup, with the girls actually coming across and playing in this one, the Toronto Wolfpack going so well over there as well, down the track, the funding will come and the numbers will increase. Yeah, and as you touched on, rugby union over there is a very big sport. Um, rugby union seems to be a bigger... Sorry, my phone's going off. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> um, but uh, rugby union is a big sport over in America and um, also in Canada. Um, and, of course, the the American football was a variation of that. Um, so we can only expect them to have more rugby sevens, um, which, of course, in turn turns into sort of rugby league participation. Well, rugby sevens um, is a faster game too, the... and I think that's more 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 related to... Um... When you when you look at it, it, it's more entertaining, a bit like rugby league as opposed to rugby union. So down the track, hopefully, that means it will turn more people over to rugby league. All right. Well, I think Forty is just about back. Can you hear us, Forty? Yes, you're back. My Discord app on desktop is just like a little weird error. All right, well, we're about to jump into the men's. Um, so I know Australia played the, the first game of the the weekend, but I want to jump straight into the major controversy of the weekend, which was the Tonga-England match, and, of course, that last try, no try um, verdict. So let's get straight into it. Tonga 18, twen- uh, England 20. Um, well, this was a, an odd game because the, slight, the last sort of seven, eight minutes belied the rather docile, you know, sort of main course. Tonga had a few chances throughout the game, but they didn't really capitalise, did they? Daniel Tupo bombed a couple. Michael Jennings probably had a few chances he would like to have a second time at. And um, England just throttled them down, and then they exploded in the the final moments to make the game close. I think they're just... um, They were playing on emotion, Tonga. You know, they're, they're just... Uh, like England would look clinical. They just they went there to do a job. You know they got they had it done pretty much for seventy minutes, and for ten minutes they just clocked off. They probably thought you know we can't get beat, we can't lose, you know this type of game. So, uh. well, the, the Tongans showed in the final seven minutes when their pass is quick how lethal they can be, and they they sort of exploded right back into competition for the a spot in the grand final. But they left it too little, too late, and then obviously the controversy about the final decision. Lingers as a shadow over the what game. What are your thoughts of, um, but of personally? Uh, we're the, I think pullback because you know he's only playing it for the tournament. When he goes back to the Dragons, he's going to be a you know, five eight. So you know, could he be a fullback in Clubland? Or yeah, no reason why he couldn't. Yeah, I think for sure he's he's got the history of playing fullback coming through as a youngster for the Storm before he transitioned him into the halves to. Yeah, they've got a controlling half coming with Ben Hunt. He he could probably go back to fullback. The problem for the Dragons is, and I say problem, they've got young Matt Dufty there who flashed a little bit of potential throughout 2017. So it's a case of what's your best spine rather than is Winnipeg your best fullback, I think. All right, just to get back onto this match, what was your take? I um, after, after sort of looking back at it and taking the emotion out of it, I thought it was a no try. And um, obviously uh, the whistle was blown uh, as soon as the ball hit the deck. So there couldn't have been a review of the try because Chechen had already blown time off as soon as the ball hit the ground. 
Um, and that was the 80th minute. So he didn't have it as play on. Mm. Um, yeah. But I, I thought it was a, a it was a knock-on in any other place. To the letter the field, of the law, I can understand why someone might argue that it was a strip and play on. But if you sort of take the game, uh, how I phrase this properly, but how the game plays yeah. out, that's a knock-on 99 times out of 100, isn't it? Like, And... There, there isn't really a shadow of a doubt there for me. I understand the Tongans are upset about it. I do take a little bit of umbrage at people like Andrew Voss saying, well, how come people aren't applauding the, re- applauding the referee for making a decision there and then on the spot? You know, we, we wanted to make decisions, he made a decision. Because contextually, it was probably the single most important decision in International Rugby League for decades. You're looking at a Tier 2 nation qualifying in the grand final of the Rugby League World Cup. And it probably deserved to go to the video ref, even with a no-try uh, send-up. It, it probably should have gone upstairs to yeah, I agree with that. Sort of yeah, shut the I, door. I think on- it. I think it was right. The referee Chechen, he was he was correct with the call, but he probably should have not called it straight away and let game, let it play on, and went to the video and double checked. In a situation like that, where it's in a semi-final, you're late in the game, and if if it's not a knock-on there, and Fafita scores, they win the game, Tonga. So I think it warranted going upstairs. But in the end, if you look back at it, he made the right call. And good on him for, for making it, yeah. trusting his gut and going with the call straight away. This is a, it's a, it's a similar, similar position when um, when they throw the ball and the like, person goes to catch it, but it goes behind them. And we say, oh, it's knocked backwards. But then the referee will pull it up and say, knock on. Like it's, you know, like, I reckon the referee, you know, he probably blew his whistle too quickly. You know, what, what's the point? What, it wasn't going to hurt the game if it played on a bit. But I, I reckon it's a correct decision, but an iffy one. And it's always interesting in that we we have refs that are always so happy to go to the video ref for 99% of the game, but then they'll in a critical moment, they'll back their whistle. Like, And that that's a good thing if they're doing it consistently, but you get that sort of duality where they'll happily use a video ref when it's a sort of nothing try, but when it's right up there, all of a sudden, their decision is the thing they're going with. It, it just creates that weird inconsistency for mine. So and right call, the, uh, the outcome, but perhaps the wrong process. He would have sent it up a no try, and there would have had to have been overarching uh, evidence to that, That's right. That. I, that's I exactly, see, and there wouldn't have been. Know, uh, substantial evidence to say that that was or wasn't... Uh, yeah. uh, in the NRL, it's a loose carry. The defender's fun. making the tackle. He wasn't raking at the ball. His head was behind behind Fafita. He wasn't even looking at the ball. He was reaching around just trying to make the tackle. So it was just coming out in a tackle. So And that's a loose carry. As far as I'm well, it makes me think if two people are in the tackle, is it a penalty or is it a knock-on still? Because you know, they're a bit, well, bit whistle-happy in the NRL season of two in a tackle and the ball comes loose. So that's, what, that's my, you know, my thought on that. It was pretty clear there, though, where the referee was standing. He could see the player was attempting to make a tackle. The, I think it was Elliot Whitehead. He was attempting the, to make a the tackle. The other thing out of this is that for it's not his first time having a loose carry in a clutch moment like that. For a big man with massive hands, gee, he's got a loose oh, carry yeah. in him, does he, Andrew Fafita? He, um, he knows how to You're not saying the referee gave him preconceived ideas of Fafita. If it falls out, he's more than likely dropped it, are you? Oh no, not not so much that. I I think the tip sheets can have influence in in NRL games, but Fafita just think he does so much good, but can then do some dopey stuff. So I'm not surprised he dropped see, the ball. What I don't like about the referees is they come across sort of arrogant, and it, it stemmed from Archer. Archer was like that, and like 
I don't mind if he makes a decision, but like at least look at the people in the eye or listen to people, you know, like instead of like trying to not have eye contact, you know, it's like if I ignore them, they'll go away. That's what they they seem like to have that orders from Archer, you know, just ignore the place and they'll go away. Like, I... Um, the other big thing. I was just going to say, I Sorry, think it comes sure. down to what uh, Archer being referee's boss, he has a. a it's a, a. Referees aren't there to call every play, they're there to be game managers. And, you know, that has upsides and downsides. And I think downsides in that sometimes the calls aren't consistent across a game, um, depending on what, you know, sort of uh, needs to be managed at that point in time. Like, uh, of course you don't want a penalty fest but sometimes you need to have that and you can't just have that for the first 10 minutes to set the stage uh, infractions need to be called if they're going to be called in the first 10 minutes they need to be called in the last you know 30 seconds that's the biggest complaint I think the fan has got is that the inconsistency throughout the whole 80 minutes not just week to week and game to game but in the whole 80 minutes of that one game and that's where in the NRL I think having two referees both referees have a different interpretation they don't if one did the ruck and the 10 metres all game and didn't swap over, maybe you get a little bit more fairness happening there. But the way they've got it at the moment, they swap over and decide who, for, for, for two sets, one might do the ruck and the other one does the 10 metres and, the, and then they swap it over again. So Ron's, Ron's chipping in from the chat saying that uh, apparently Churchin ignored the touchy running into um, in to help make the decision. He'd already made his call before the touchy could advise him. So that was another sort of angle to the... Well, if the, the main um, ref the thought process. he had the best angle and he, he already, you know, thought he had saw that's, it. See, um, that, that's fair. That's right. If he believes he, he had the angle on the core, he should back himself. And, but and to, to, that, to that his credit, Titchen was on the right where the right hand, uh, the ball was stripped out of Fafita's right hand, whereas the touchy is on the opposite side. That's right. So I, mean, I think Titchen would have a better view of the play than the touchy would. Um, and the other big thing kind of his game was probably the, uh, the ACL injury to... Uh, Hodges, Hodges, Hodgson, oh my god uh, Josh Hodgson for the Canberra Raiders so that's a pretty big on multiple fronts yes yeah and um, and just just like I understand they've got injuries right for, for you know for Paul Crawley to come out and say you know this is where they need you know cap compensation of course he's going to say it his brother works for the club I believe so you know, everyone has the, there is a little bit of bias to certain factions in the media. It, it, it comes up every now and then, but yeah, yeah the, uh, I think um, who was it that touched on it? I think it might be Mitch on our Twitter said that you know the Panthers got no, the Panthers got nothing out of Josh Mansour wrecking his ACL for the um, the Kangaroos the other year, and you know the the Raiders have to unfortunately suck it up and cop the Josh Hodgson injury. It sucks. But injuries are part of sport, and that's when you have to rely on your depth. And yeah, it's a big, a big sort of handicap. But every team cops bad luck yeah, here well, and then. Th- th- so. Look at Thurston with the Cowboys. He, he injured himself in the Test match, yeah. I think, first, and then came back and played. I think the game that's two right. of the Origin yeah. and re-injured his, and himself and was out for the rest of the it, year. So they exacerbated the injury. Whatever for, he's on, maybe it's a big policy season or whatever. And he's played. He played what six or eight games. So got another little bit of leak. Did you? Can you see that in the chat, Hamish? Yeah, that's injuries. We've got a team of the tournament. Yeah, team of the tournament. We'll yeah. touch on the team of the tournament Sorry. after we finish doing the review of the games. Um, I think we should sort of do our own team of the tournament uh, voting yep, next good. week. Because um, this this one excludes obviously Australia and England players, so that's not necessarily the true team of the tournament. 
Yeah, I think we can do our own one right, um, rather than rely on everybody else. Because um, I've got some picks, <laughs> and I'm sure everybody else has some picks, and we can put it to a vote. Uh, back to the time, man. How good was to see the King of Tonga? King and the, Queen. You know, his, uh, king and Queen. We know you're a woman hater here, Bertie, but there was King and Queen were both there. We we had well, we had everything in that game. We had we had the, the King and Queen. We had a marriage proposal. One of the one of the um, trainers was in Tonga, Lee Hopkins. I went to school with his brother, and I'm a friend of him on Facebook, and he put some pictures up saying how, how good it was to meet the, the King and Queen of Tonga and the Prime Minister of Tonga and all that sort of stuff. They came to the game and addressed the team and everything and how how right behind the Tongan team, the uh, the royal family and the, the, the uh, government was over in Tonga too. So not just the huge response from the fans, but also you know the government and the, and the royal family over there too, right behind the Tongans. Yeah, the um the support was unreal. Uh, I know that Sixties was on holidays in New Zealand during that game, and he tried to get tickets, and there was like no luck getting them. It had sold out so quickly, there was nothing available. So you know, all the Tongan population in in New Zealand really got behind him, and you just saw a sea of red every game, didn't you? It was fantastic. Look, even the um there's a there's a strip in Liverpool, the McDonald's and Krispy Kreme, and that place was cut off but the roads were closed because there were all Tongan fans in the streets dancing and you know it's just it's just unreal you know you see a lot more Tongan flags everywhere I drive in my area there's a Tongan flag in the street you know so hopefully it doesn't you know hopefully they still support Tonga during you know the, when it's not World Cup years but yeah it'll be, it'll be a shame if it all goes to a waste you know and they all go back to New Zealand well that that that's the important thing is that they're going to lobby for a, a yearly game against New Zealand oh, now aren't they was it Tamalolo I saw yeah. that said um, he wants a, a yearly fixture up against New Zealand to turn it into a genuine rivalry on well, the see, international they could level? Do that during the State of Origin, you know, State of Origin game, you know, at least have them, because you know, that will be a high quality it, game. It'll help fill that void. I think that's the plan. That's right. When you've got no NRL, you really need to up the, the quality of the games that replace it, and that would be a real marquee game to have. Alright, well let's move on to the, the first match of the weekend, which is Australia 54, Fiji 6. Uh, 40, you wanted the upset to end all upsets, but this game turned out pretty much how we all thought it would. Fiji competitive for the first 10 minutes, but then they just did not have the forwards to match um, the Australian forwards. And of course, leaving out your man and our man, uh, you know, they, they paid the, the price for that. Yes, no Celeste Fainga, 100% win rate with the big man in there. You know, he's got a line break assist, a try assist. He needs a decent front row. That's right. It's absolute bullshit. It's bullshit, I tell you. Um, no, but that the game played out exactly as we expected. Um, Fiji were very competitive through the opening exchanges. They actually were controlling the field position pretty well. But Australia started getting ascendancy yeah. in the ruck with the, the help of a, a few contentious penalties that probably went one way and not the other. And from there, they just put the yeah. foot in the throat and choked down real hard. What about that... Uh that uh, knock on by Vunivalu. You know, he just had to ground it and then Australia go 100 metres to score. Vuni had had the shocker to to go into like the book. He had a night to forget. That was a a real real bad game. He looked pretty fired up. Maybe he was too fired up for the game. But to to me, Fiji, they started off on fire and their forwards were on top of Australia for about 10 or 11 minutes. And then then Australia got a bit of possession and Cameron Smith said, right, we're going to up the tempo here. He started darting out a dummy half and, and turning inside balls and it started the Fijian defence couldn't keep up with the pace and that's what it was they, Australia they, they worked yeah. they worked 
both edges really well, but especially that right edge of Fiji. Yeah. They just chewed it up. Yeah, and, and Valentine Holmes, I mean, how how good was he? How good was the anticipation? We were chatting here, I think Birdie was on chatting the other night when the game was on, and after he'd scored four, I said, he's going to score six tonight. Just look at him. He's following the ball everywhere, and he scored six. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant bit of footy, you know. He was just in the right spot at the right time, but that's anticipation. You don't... You can't teach somebody that. There was, that a, little, got there was a little bit of Darius Boyd in the Queensland Origin team to some of his tries where you got a gun back line and just fall over the try line, but he did well on some of them too. I mean, and you don't score six tries by accident either. Ten, you? ten tries in a match, and I think all of them were scored by three players. You know, that's unbelievable. <laughs> Incredible. Like like we said last week, he's not doing his, his chances of playing fullback for the Sharks any good because he's killing it on the wing for Australia. Uh, I mean, there's one more key take. I mean, Jared had a, a relatively quiet game. He was fired up coming into it, looked to put some big shots on and has some early touches by kicking the ball. But it's been a long just, time. Wasn't no, in the I think they went away from, from Fiji, was They it? went away from a bit It's going to be a long time for Fiji. Yes, they did. And I'll say this. I hated the decision to go for two points yeah, from terrible. Fiji. Yeah, yeah. In a game where you're up against the best country in the, in the world, you've got to go for points. You, yeah, that's right. You've got, to, you've got to try and go as hard as you can score as many tries. You're not going to win going up by two. If, if it was to win the game on a sort of tiebreaker situation, of course you take the two. But in the first now, they five, have no ten minutes... There, and I think you know, if they had taken a tap there, if they didn't score that set, there's a good chance of getting a repeat set and putting more pressure on Australia. But by taking that penalty goal there, mm. they got the next set, Australia got the ball, and the game changed then. They up the tempo of the yeah, Australians. Yeah, you go back to your yeah. half trying to work it out, and that's when Australia can start getting back into the field yep, position should have taken should have taken a tap and, as quickly as possible and just went on with it and tried to put the pressure on the Australians. You, as, as you said, you're not going to beat Australia 2-0. Fiji's never going to beat Australia 2-0 or by two points, are they? Maybe yeah. maybe the game against New Zealand got into their heads with the 4-2 victory. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> well, when they're playing some of the other teams, some of the minnows they played even before New Zealand, it's probably a good decision to do that. But against a team like Australia, we've yes, got to score yeah. tries to win. I mean, yeah, taking, you know, you've got to do it. Taking the two early on is very much a contextual decision. And in a lot of games where you're relatively even in standings, it makes a lot of sense to take that marginal lead. But you know, when there's such a disparity between the two teams and you're looking for the huge upset, you've got to throw the dice. You know, you see it quite target. a bit in the NRL when the team goes for two and they usually end up getting beat. They don't score a try. They end up getting beat like 18-2, 26-2. You know, see it a lot. So I'm I'm against taking two when you for your first points. I'm against that. It's only two points. It's nothing. I'm sure you can argue. There will be times you can argue the other way where the early two points end up being crucial. But I personally do favour a more aggressive approach. Yes, I do like seeing the the tap and go or kick to the sideline and work a set piece from there. All right. Well, I don't think there's too much else to take away from that. Um, all right, we'll go straight on to it. The new jersey uh, dropped on Friday, as uh, was alluded to in that cryptic pro- post last week by the Eels. Um, I'm going to go straight through you guys. Ten-second takeaway. There's not too much to, to say about it. Of course, jerseys are a very personal preference, so I'd, I don't know if we can get onto it too much. Um, but I'll start with you, Bertie. What do you think? I'm a fan of it, but the only one negative I have is the blue jersey, where they have A-Land. The yellow doesn't match... The yellow strip in the jersey. So if that was, you know, that matched the yellow, it's. I like it. I'm a fan of it. It looks. It looks very good. All right, and now for your uh, ten second takeaway, forty. Mixed response from fans, which is as expected, given how subjective jerseys can be. 
I personally like it. Uh, the sponsor panel is probably the big bugbear for mine, but that can be worked out uh, as we move along next year. Um, I like throwing back to the 60s. I do understand why people did like would have preferred the 80 strip, so not too bad. For uh, me. And on to you, PM. Yeah, when I first saw the artwork, being a retailer, we got to see the artwork very early on when we were doing our forward orders. I hated it. It was horrible. But it was a tiny little picture. Now I've seen it in the flesh. I actually like it. I think the original artwork had the yellow lines on the blue jersey very thin. They they come out a lot thicker, and it looks so much better with a sponsor on the front instead of so plain. So I'm actually I'm actually get a big thumbs up. I think it's really good. And the one thing I don't think we touched on, I'll get too quickly, is the white shorts with the blue, and of course the um the is it the blue shorts with the yellow top? I'm not sure. Is it the yellow yeah, with yeah, the blue yeah. shorts? So right they'll now. they'll no longer be those uh, yellow shorts with the yellow away jersey, which I, I sort of um, grew uh, a bit fond of. So I didn't mind them. I, yeah, I'm not really keen on the white shorts, but I understand it's what they wore back then with that jersey. They wore white shorts, so they're trying to have that sort of traditional look to it. But yeah, as far as retailing go, I don't think anyone's going to buy a pair of white footy shorts, so we won't sell too many of those, I don't think. Are these the only two jerseys confirmed, or do we have a heritage? We, we, we have other jerseys for next year, yeah. including a heritage, and um, there's a heritage and a throwback jersey, I believe. Is that right, PM? Yeah. I've only I've only seen the home and away, to be honest with you. I haven't seen any okay. other information on anything else yet so far, so they're, they're pretty secretive with this stuff, I see. They release stuff... Because... Well after the, the clubs the other, approved it. The other alternative strips that we could have are uh, Heritage, Throwback, Marvel Heroes, if we get given one, uh, Indigenous, and Rob's we, a big fan of that. Women in League, I think. Is that right? I've had the other... Yeah, that'd be, that'd be the most we could get, yeah. All well, right, well, as I said, it's very subjective, so. the jerseys, so let's move right along. Um, Luke Burt, he's gone to the Titans. He's got the assistant role now. That's all confirmed, and there was a photo up on Twitter today of Luke Burt in his... Titans training year, so um, sad to see him go, but very happy that he's uh, uh, moving along his coaching career post playing for the Eels. Natural, natural progression for Bertie, isn't it? After a couple of good years in the twenties, uh, unfortunately, he probably his skill set aligns with what we already have at the club as far as an assistant coach is concerned in regards to Steve Murphy. Uh, so there's probably a bit of an overlap there, which is why there wasn't the same opportunities, I'd say, internally. So wish him his best and his future travels on the road to becoming a head coach. Unless he bomb, he's coaching against Parramatta, then screw him. Well, no, nobody can say anything negative about Luke Burt, could they? Nah. All you can do is wish yeah, him luck. You know, he's, he's progressing up the ladder, coaching ladder. It's great. It's great. Great for him. Shame that he's not at the Eels anymore, but he might come back one day. Who knows? Maybe as a head coach. Who knows? You never know. Down the track. I've got an anecdote I just want to touch on from Luke Burt. I was um, it was one game where he was out injured. It was you know when I was about. I think I was about 10 or 11. And anyway, I was running up to the members section. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Forty. Um, anyway, I, I was running up to the... to the, we, we, had a, we were in a booth for whatever reason. I think it was one of my mates had got one. And Luke Burt was running in to get to the change room to... Um, I think he was running a bit late. And I shouted out, how birdie! And he came over and saw my hat, even though he was bloody running late as hell. <laughs> so um, Birdie's always had time for the fans. He's always been a great club man and um, a fan favourite. So uh, we wish him all the best. Um, all right, well, we'll move straight on to uh, one that's a rumour. I don't know if it's got any legs because it's been posted by the mole, but apparently uh, Madge Maguire has been uh, rumoured to be... Uh, 
coming on as the new assistant coach to Brad Arthur in 2018. I'm not sure if there's any legs to the rumour, but um, thoughts? Yeah, I'm sitting on this rumour for the time being. It's the only place it's really popped up, isn't it? But it's a very intriguing proposition. Um, obviously, imagine BA go back to the in the coaching tree, back to the Melbourne Storm, where they probably knew each other and got a good feel for each other's personalities and coaching styles. Um, he's a very hard sort of old school coach, Madge, from what I know. So he'd, he'd fit in as a foil, I suppose, to someone like Steve Murphy, who's probably a little bit more yeah, way back. More, that, that's more right, forward which is the whole Peter, I think, too, um, which would mm-hmm. cover where Peter Jennell's gone. And, so, yeah, I, I can not I can only see positives. I mean, he's, he's been a, a first grade coach. He's won a premiership. and It was only like four years ago. Um, I can't see any negatives in it. This is about um, head coach becoming an assistant coach. He's been a coach for what since 2010 with Wigan Warriors, so he's been calling all the all the shots. You know, he, it's his top of gameplay. You know, and now he's coming back. If he's an assistant coach, he has to listen to Brad Arthur, and he doesn't have that much say um, authority. So it, it, it intrigues me when a head it, coach goes back to an assistant coach. Does he? You know, it, does he? Does he want to overstep? It would be one of the. One of the big considerations, wouldn't it, Bertie? It, it's definitely a valid question as to how can he handle dialed back responsibilities when you become an assistant coach and the buck doesn't stop with you. Uh, but like, like we like Hamish let off with, it's the only place the room's popped up of as of yet. So it's something to monitor, but I wouldn't put too much credence in it just All now. All right, well, there's not too much more news to, to um, get on to. I assume, given the World Cup's going to be over this Sunday, we might hear some more signing news and what have you, um, especially with the Hain rumours floating around and a couple of uh, Eels players now giving their two cents. Um, but we don't want to go and touch on that again. We've already, we've already we did, about it on the We podcast. did skip over the earth-shattering yeah, news that uh, Guffo had shaved his hair, though. He's um, gotten rid of the locks. <laughs> Come on, Amish, up your game, buddy. Um, and, and from Gutho, I posted up on our Twitter, of course, Gutherson linked to it as well, his interview with that uh, young bloke on um, 2GB with Ray Hadley. I, I'm not a big Ray Hadley fan, but um, that was quite a good interview, so go check that out. Uh, I've retweeted it, but if, if you want to go get it from the source on Gutho's Twitter. Um, all right, we'll move straight. Yeah, and he, he obviously, I was going to say, he, he probably won over a few neutrals without effort. I know um, on Reddit there were a few guys that really loved what he did. Well, I think he's a genuine footy player, so you can only be drawn to him. I don't think there's much else to say. Um, All right, let's move straight on to the women's preview. So we've got our two grand final matches on this Saturday. Um, First up is the Australian women, um, which is the Gillaroos up against the Kiwi Ferns at 4.45pm on Saturday. Um, you can catch that. That'll be on Channel 7. It'll also be live-streamed on 7 Live. Um, for international viewers, I'm not sure if they're doing another Facebook stream. I assume they will be. Um, but uh, check your local listings. Um, so what are your takeaways on this? My thoughts is that the Australian Gillaroos are going to be too uh, too powerful, too classy for New Zealand, especially the halves play from Australia has been fantastic this um, World Cup so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely leaning towards Australia here. They hold the edge over New Zealand in recent encounters, and they've looked the better team throughout the World Cup. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the New Zealand forwards are, are pretty strong, but Australia seem to be able to hold them till they can sort of get... They hold their own against the big forwards, and then it's in the second half when the ball players, and they get the ball out the back to the fullback and the, the 5-8, and they sort of run around 
teams like they have through most of this World Cup. So I, I could see Australia winning, but it, you know, it mightn't be till late in the game before they take, before they get ahead enough, maybe win by two tries. Yeah, no, Australia should win easily. You know, I don't know where they can lose. You know, they drop ball, give away penalties. You know, that's the only way they can get beat. To be honest, I think you raise a good point though, PM. The the Aussies move the ball laterally with great fluidity. There's not much jarring movement and you know sort of stalling in the back line. They can transfer from the ruck to the edges really quickly, and it punishes a lot of the teams that they're versing at the moment. Yeah, it t- ties a big Kiwi forwards out. That's I think that's going to be the problem for New Zealand. That sort of play that Australia with that lateral movement, it's going to really tie their forwards out now. And in the last 20 minutes, Australia should have the ascendancy. Yep. All right. Well, I think we're all on the Gillaroos. Um, so we'll move straight on to the grand final. Um, we have the Australian Kangaroos up against England at 8 o'clock on Saturday night. Now, I'll quickly run. Unfortunately, there's no Eels players left with Tonga bowing out. Um, but we'll just good. quickly run through the That's team good. lists. Um, well... It's good in one sense and bad in another sense. Um, but we'll just quickly go through the team list, which is Billy Slater at fullback, Dane Gagai at wing, Chambers uh, in centre, Dugan also at centre, Val Holmes on the wing as well. Uh, then in the halves you have Morgan and Cooper Cronk, who have been the pick of the, the halves, um, which of course has forced out uh, uh, both James Maloney and also, um, what's his name, from uh, fr- from from the Storm. Um, Mugstar, that's right. Um, and then in the front row, we have Aaron Woods, David Clemmer. Uh, at hooker, Cameron Smith in the second row. And at lock, we've got Boyd Cordner, Matt Gillette, and, of course, Josh McGuire rounding out at lock. And then on the bench, Wade Graham, Jordan McLean, uh, Ray- Regan Campbell-Gillard, and Tyson Frizzell, deserving of their spots. Um, the unluckies to, to miss out is Tom T, Josh Mansour, Maloney, and Felice Cafusi. Um, and then in the English squad, we've got at fullback again, Gareth Widop, uh, McGilvery, and Ryan Hall on the wings. Watkins, Bateman in in centres. Then in the halves, we've got Kevin Brown and Luke Gale. And then in the front row, Chris Hill, James Graham, James Roby at hooker. And then the second row is Sam Burgess, Elliot Whitehead, and to uh, round out in the lock is Sean O'Loughlin. And then on the bench, Wormsley, Tom Burgess, Ben Curry, and Chris Hyington making an appearance this week with Lomax to miss out. I think he had a bit of a concussion. Um, and then Scott Taylor, George Williams, and Mark Percival also on the extended bench. It kind of um, spins me out that the Australian sort of halves pairing end up the opposite of the Queensland halves pairing with regards to the Munster and Morgan. Yet um, Morgan playing in the centres, didn't you, in Game 3? Am I remembering that right? I think so. Yeah, and so like you fast forward it a couple of months and have gone back the other way with Morgan winning out in the halves and Munster, unfortunately, for himself dropping out of the team. So that, that was kind of funny. Yeah, well, I think um, at Origin they I didn't suppose. really have a better setter to come into that position. So it was obviously, you know, they thought Morgan would yeah. stick up that centre position and, um, you know, Munster's performance in Origin 3 speaks to itself. Well, that, that, that's exactly right, and that's why it sort of cracks me up that it's gone the other way now when you, you get forward, fast forward to the Australian Yeah, but I guess we've the, got uh, rugby, more centres well, to round out that World position. Cup, Dugan's had a great um, uh, uh, the World Cup. Uh, Chambers, that's true. You know, he's that's been true. around for a long time, so um, it's not like they've got to stock up a centre there. Uh, I, was, uh, I was saying, I reckon... The Pommies forward pack can actually, you know, out outperform the Australian pack, 
but it'll just you know, the back line, Australia's back line is just too too clinical. You know, they'll just have they'll just need what three chances. They'll score three tries. And so. unfortunately, the the biggest proponent of the English back line isn't on the podcast today, yeah. Ricky, who would have probably um, um, argued that point of contention with you. But I, I tend to agree the Australian back one is much more dynamic and explosive across one to five. And it's going to be and, a, a and tough... spine. It's the spine of Australia yeah. that, that, that gets that back line, the ball at the right time and early enough to use the footwork in front of the defence. And d- doubly so when England are probably short their best player in the spine with Josh Hodgson losing out mm. uh, his spot in the team due to ACL injury. Yeah, they're really, really going to so be... So they're, they're really up against the palms. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't see you could see it being you could see the pods being competitive, but without without Hodgson, you can't see them win the game. So Australia will win. It's just a question of by how much. It's not it's not going to be as easy as the last few matches for them has been. It may be similar to when they played in the first round, but um, you could not see. Well, anything. I suppose that's the biggest thing England's got going for them is that Australia's relatively soft run through the finals might leave them a little bit exposed, and they can get a bit of an ambush going. Uh, whereas England's had a couple of tougher games, um, especially last week in the last um, last ten minutes against Tonga. So if they can um, sort of take that battle-hardened stance into the game and maybe sneak in a, a trial to uh, off the cuff and get a bit of a lead to defend, yeah. I'd, I'd say this much: if Cameron Smith was playing for England, England would be favourites. That's how good he's been this World Cup, Cameron Smith. He has completely England. controlled the Australian ga- yeah. Australian team. And that's he has probably been. Any, I don't know whether I'll pick him, but to me, he's been the player of the World Cup. He's actually played better this season than I think he has in his whole career. And how old is he now? Thirty-four. The Tom Brady yeah. in a role. Unbelievable! Yeah. How good he's playing. It'll You're be saying, interesting dude? to see because uh, Woods has to play with a painkiller, whether he might be scratching. Because if it, as I said, if, if that's if that happens, you know, I, I reckon he will win because I just believe James Graham, you know, Sam Burgess. They, 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 will, they, you know, they will control the game with their runs, and they just. I, I, I'm tipping an upset. I reckon. You know, you know, seven days time, I might be an idiot or a wizard. <laughs> yeah, I think you'll be eating your words, Bertie. So let's just go ahead. Uh, Bertie's yeah. the only outlier here, <laughs> tipping England. Um, all of us are on the uh, Australia train. They've been too good this World Cup. I can't see them having a 2008 World Cup final meltdown like they get it, did against the Kiwis. Mm. At, it, that's going to depend on Billy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to have a meltdown, it'll be um, Slater. I love 2008. Yeah, he's done, he's done that a couple. It's funny, they have, the only time you ever see Billy Slater drop a ball, a bomb, is in a big game, whether it be a grand final or a World Cup final or a semi final. Any other time, you can guarantee he's as safe as a house. Well, they'll be yeah. giving him the. Um... So they'll be giving him the tip sheet not to pass the ball this uh, grand final. If he just holds on to it for the full night, there shouldn't be any worries. <laughs> um, uh, all right, well, I think that wraps us up for the World Cup. We'll be the, around next week to... Uh... Sorry, the only other storyline here is um, Alex Wormsley. Is that the right the right player, I suppose? Uh, Parramatta will link to him once again as potentially interested suitors for a move to the NRL. And um, he played pretty strong against uh, Tonga in the week before that, too in the quarters, so he could be someone to watch if you're sitting on the game as a neutral, like most para fans would be. Uh, I mean, obviously he's probably sporting Australia, but you haven't got Parramatta players to be interested in. He's someone to keep half an eye on, I suppose. Alright, well I think that about wraps up the previews for this week. Um, we'll be back to review these two matches next week, which will be a shorter pod. Um, but before we get to there, let's uh, go into our plugs. Uh, first of all, you can t- catch us on Twitter at 
State OT League. Uh, I'm getting the Facebook page set up. I'm just trying to make sure it's public now. I've, I've got it sort of set up. And I'm getting us working on um, a YouTube channel as well. Um, we've got some ideas to throw around and do a um, review of a couple of the grand finals in the, um, you know, the glory years in the 80s over the off-season so we can get some content out um, and see if we can get some feedback on there. Um, other than that, we'll move straight on to Birdie. Yeah, just my Twitter, BevanHeaven1. You know, catch me there. Talking about the NFL again, NBA. So, yeah, waiting for NRL season to kick off. Broken like a true Cowboys fan. All right, and straight on to 40. <laughs> um, uh, the Cumberland Fro, so you can catch us at EelsTCT on Twitter or thecumberlandfro.com. Uh, 60s is back from his little mini break in New Zealand, and he's going to get some training stuff out. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to have something out this week as well. So you can um, drop in and join the conversation there or hit us up on Twitter where Mitch and Chris will probably uh, be the ones to interact with you. All right, and last of all, PM. Yeah, well, you can get me on Twitter at Paramatters or you can check out my website, sportfirstnambucca.com.au. I've got plenty of Eels gear on there, the 2018 training gear's on there. Use the discount code SOTL and you'll get 10% off your order. And can I just ask, PM, when are you expecting to get stock of the new jerseys? Is that in the new year or is it coming in the next couple of Yeah, they're not available till early January. I think around about the 8th of January. But... Well, I guess they become available when they come available. But he has got... um, Does anybody else have any final words? Just a double plug for PM. He does have the training gear in stock right now, don't you? Yes, yes. Shirts, singlets and shorts. And I've got polos coming in the next week and a half, two weeks. Nice. And, of course, for Ricky, he unfortunately hasn't been able to join us tonight, but you can catch him at the nrlnews.com, and he's also got a Twitter handle as well. Um, so, once again, thanks, everybody, for, uh, for for being a part again tonight, Birdie, 40, and PM, and thanks, everybody, for listening this week. Um, we got a fair few more listeners last week, um, but I'll throw this up on uh, SoundCloud in the coming day, and um, hopefully you all enjoy. Catch you next time, boys. Yeah, thanks, guys. See you later. Now, um, catch you, boys. Bye.